You're listening to episode 76 of Daughters on Fire with Robin Arab and Melissa Burton. In this week's episode, Robin and I are going to talk about how to advocate for your loved one in healthcare settings. We're going to remind you of some of the patient's rights that are out there for you, some avenues on how you can reach out for help if you need to resolve issues, and where to turn to if you need to keep taking the matter maybe up the ladder to get it resolved. So we're going to give you insight around all these issues. So stay tuned as we dive into advocating in the healthcare setting. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. Welcome back. It's Robin and Melissa. And today we are going to bring you some advocacy tips and information. Robin and I both attended an amazing and I'll say a bit scary uh, conference the other day where we had some information presented to us, a a group of social workers at this conference, a social work conference. And um, we had an ombudsman, the ombudsman for Tennessee speak. It was very, very insightful. So we wanted to bring you today some tips around how you as a caregiver can advocate for your loved one in the healthcare system. And so Robin, we've both come from different arenas, you know, in this professional realm. So kick us off and tell us your ideas on advocating for caregivers, for caregivers, but also for the loved ones. Well, and I think that hopefully not everybody, but when you do have someone in a facility or using a different company or in a hospital, there are things that frustrate us. And often you think, who do I turn to? Who, who do I talk to about this? And you really don't know. So therefore you may just verbalize your frustrations to friends and family, but it doesn't get any further. And then there's no action taken. So I do think that you all need to know that there is somebody, a board, a license, a licensing board or folks that can help you with these things as you go along. So that's really what we want to share with you is that it's not hopeless and that you do have rights and people forget about the patient rights because a lot of times it's not talked about. They hand you that sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. That like says, that little pamphlet, patient right. rights pamphlet. And then you have to sign and say, yes, I received it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of covering themselves. And then you move on. So, but we, we do want to make you aware that there are people you can turn to. There are people that these facilities and companies have to answer to. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're looking at to direct you today. Um, I'll just start out with the personal support companies, which are actually what you all would know them as non-medical companies. So there is a board that comes in and they, they do have um, to keep certain notes. They have to be careful about what they do. Of course, we may have talked in the past that in non-medical companies, they're not allowed to give medicines. There's certain rules they have to follow that have been put out by the board. And that is just really basically contacting your local government 
and finding out who they answer to. They do have the state come in once a year, more often if they're finding issues. But should you have a complaint within a personal care company or a non-medical company, my suggestion would be you first, of course, go to the director and then maybe to the owner. And they probably have things laid out internally for everybody to reach out to. But if you're still not getting satisfaction, that's when you go to the state and you talk to that licensing board. Yep, absolutely. And I love how I think across the board, all of the tips that we're going to give you, there is kind of like a sequence of taking it up the ladder, if you will, Mm -hmm. of intervention. And, and most, so I worked in like a private care management company. I've worked for, um, healthcare skilled nursing facility. And they really, two things, patient care is at the core of what is important to everybody, but that doesn't mean that we're not human, right? (laughs) There are problems that can arise. Reputation is also huge. So most people, because I hear this all the time, well, I don't know if I want to bring this up because I'm afraid of retaliation. What I learned working in the skilled setting was that there would be bigger consequences for retaliation than for making a mistake, that that kind of thing was not tolerated. If you felt like there was retaliation, that would be when things aren't getting resolved internally, you take it outside. I would say more often than not, it was either, it was not malicious mistakes It might've been lazy mistakes, but it was not malicious mistakes or personal mistakes. And, you know, you take it to the nurse. um, So then take it to the nurse manager. You take it to the social workers, um, social workers, or they're not always social workers. So sometimes they're referred to as social services are usually where getting concerns addressed would be a good place to start. And then, you know, you go on up to administrator. And then from that, if it's a corporation, you can go beyond the administrator. But outside, like Robin said, everybody has licensing boards. You can make concerns known that way. And uniquely to skilled nursing, there is the ombudsman program. The ombudsman program is strictly a patient advocate service. So There are posters with their contact information that are by law required in all facilities that are skilled or Medicaid facilities. So that would be like your nursing home level. Patients' rights have to be posted, have to be readily available. So, you know, when you're walking to the elevator and you don't pay attention to all those random like technical posters that are all around well if you have a problem you need to start paying attention to those posters because they're probably going to have phone numbers and resources for you if you have questions or concerns about the care your loved one's getting well and what it is is it brings in uh, another objective viewpoint as well so especially what as you were talking about the ombudsman i excuse me had a family years ago that called me and their complaint was she's not getting her beds changed and she's not getting her um, depends changed in a timely manner. So, you know, that then rolls down to, we have bed sores, we have different things going on. And 
Although that seems simple because while you're there, you could do it, but you're not there 24 seven and that's the care you're paying for. So immediately I said, let's call, have it investigated, go out and, and see what's going on. And then that takes it off your plate, that takes it off the local plate and it brings in your state level people to, to investigate and see what's going on. Because if there aren't rules and regulations to follow, it would just all be one big mishmash of care and nobody knows what's going on. So be sure to exercise those rights. And, and again, I, I like what you said about, I think a lot of people don't do it because they feel as though they're going to be retaliated against. And that's, that's not the situation. And again, it's, Typically, if it is a one-on-one situation, this tech is doing this to me, blah, 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 blah. Most likely that tech is doing it to everybody on that floor. So it's just a means to have that person removed and be out of the situation. And it brings it to sight, but it takes one person to contact. If nobody contacts, nobody knows about it and it continues to go on. And it becomes acceptable at some point, I think. Right. And honestly, I did see situations where a certain aide um, or even maybe a certain nurse because of different personalities didn't get along with the patient and they switched them out. They do listen to the concerns because your loved one is living in this environment. It's not like, oh, okay, we're just there for a visit. We can tolerate feeling uncomfortable because they'll be coming home soon. No, this is their home. So making it comfortable and making sure that they're getting the quality care that they deserve is very, very important. Now, I will say COVID has thrown a lot of this into disarray. And I think we've all in different ways have had to realize that our wishes, we've got to sacrifice these days um, because they're short-staffed. Everybody is stressed and burned out. So there's a lot of issues that are really making this a pressure cooker. So I would say in this environment, maybe be mindful of what you're advocating for. If you're advocating for timely bathroom interventions, you know, and and, and changing of the depends so that bed sores don't ensue, that's huge because that leads to really poor health outcomes if somebody gets a bed sore, if they're not tended to. If you're calling because of iced tea, regular iced tea instead of sweet tea, you know, that stuff we can, I think we got to start working around. Well, and that's what I was going to jump in and say is this isn't for the nitpicky stuff. This is what we're talking about, quality of life and things that matter, life or death. It is not, you got sweet tea instead of unsweet tea. Sorry. You know, and I think a lot of the complaints come in about the food. Well, you know what, it is that that's something that okay you know could it be fixed could it not be fixed but and let's give like solutions around that if they constantly give the wrong tea why don't you bring your loved one a little thing of sugar that they can have right there on their bedstand if they get if they get the unsweet tea they can sweeten it up you know kind of find solutions that without right right and i think when we when i was in the non-medical company i also liked what you said about and i would tell people I don't like everybody. You know, I don't like everybody in this world. You don't like everybody in this world. There are sometimes it's just a, a personality conflict. You don't have any reason why 
you may not even know why you don't care for somebody, but you don't. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say, can I have somebody else? Mm -hmm. And the companies know, the, the facilities know how to finagle that, not say, okay, well, Melissa, Mrs. Smith said that you did such and such, so now you're not going to take care of her anymore. No, it is, okay, we're just going to switch up um, rooms and where people work. It can all be done internally without any angst for you at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we, we encourage that because you can't fix something if we don't know about it. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I want to mention is when we listened to the, the state ombudsman when she came and talked to us, there are things that go on that they have to answer to as well. They have rules and regulations which go all the way up through Tennessee government and then on to federal, if I'm saying mm-hmm. this correctly, Melissa. Mm-hmm. So you need to know that they may not agree with those rules either, but that is their job and they have to follow those. So back during COVID when people were not allowed to come in and visit and things didn't happen the way we thought there was reasoning for it, that they had to follow those rules governmentally. Mm-hmm. So know that that's not something that at a, at a personal level, you walk in and you see the director of the assisted living it's not her fault. She's answering to the higher ups as well. So keep that in mind. But those licensing boards, those things are there for a reason, because if it is something that you need to report, you need to advocate for that, those rights. And I also want to point out um, during that conference, we talked, we had a gentleman come and talk that he is um, in ethics at a hospital. And I think that people don't realize there are committees in the hospital that if the family cannot make a decision or if um, there's not a power of attorney or just different things, there are venues or avenues that you can go to get help that maybe it's starting with social services and they can direct you in that where to go next. But you always have some recourse or some source that you can connect with to advocate for your loved one and be sure to familiarize yourself with that and and use it to your advantage. I think one of the biggest things that we've learned over the last two years is how important it is, especially for someone with dementia, to have somebody right next to them advocating for them. You need to let people know It may look like they can retain all this information or they understand what's going on, but they can't. They have dementia. I need to be with them. I think they're making accommodations, especially in the ER, that those people can have somebody there with them. Because what we've learned is that that made a huge difference in the outcomes if they did not have somebody that was able to communicate on their behalf there with them. Inform the providers of exactly what's going on. And you might find that that they're a little bit more lenient because of the need for advocacy than if you were to go to an ER and you're and they would tell your husband, well, he's got to stay out in the car, you know, when when you're done, we'll call him and he can come pick you up. So just be mindful of that. So just know that you're not out there alone. You do have recourses. You do have avenues to go through and you can get the job done that way. Absolutely. Keep asking questions. 
and keep strong and stay educated. Stay educated. Perfect. All right. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.